This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family in Car Selling Secrets with Doug Sprinthal, Bob Kroll, and he didn't tell me a thing. <laughs> Alex Bernard Rasmussen. Let's see how this is going to go. Co host Catherine Brandt. Tom Ryan. And Abraham Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back. We're going to find out how I don't get shot going downtown Minneapolis in the future. It's exactly opposite of <laughs> what I told be, you. No, I meant by the police. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Whoa. <laughs> no, I'm very. Yeah, we'll be right back. Off. Kick things off. Here's Dougie. No, it's a pre recorded. That's oh. what I'm saying. Here's Dougie. No, we do Bradshaw no. and Brian. Yeah. We don't oh, do, do all Oh, I thought you did him first and then Brad. You are the worst <laughs> co-host ever. <laughs> 35 <laughs> years in radio and you just F the 40 just, every week. He just radio. throws his headphones down. Oh, <laughs> all right. Play cool. the commercial. <laughs> Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Oh, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say, why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer for <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Where's the manager? Walls are automotive, yeah, just car selling secrets. Oh car selling secrets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, baby. Mom claimed that Alex and I both had whooping cough when we were kids. It was croup. It was croup. Croup, whoop, it all sounds the same to me. Okay, we have the fir- first of all time, ladies and gentlemen. Doug already told me to shut up. So. No, I did not. <laughs> Why don't you introduce our guest? You know well, him very Bob, well. how long ago did we meet? Got a long I was time. new on the union board, so it's got to be about 23, 23, 23 years, 24 God. years. Yeah. I, I've always had such a great time with the whole thing. We had a, a very quick explanation for new listeners. I grew up in a family that had cops and criminals in it, which, as you find out, <laughs> is rather common. <laughs> you know, it really is. 
uh, the old neighborhood and stuff. Uh, there was a very key figure back about 23 years ago. I was talking to him, you know, and, and his brother couldn't stay out of jail. And he was one, he was a big shot cop and his brother could not stay out of prison. Wow. It's just how, I mean, it's kind of how it was, how it is. So do you go out to Stillwater a lot, Bob? Or? Uh, no, well, no, Bob. my mom, I'm the last of six, and she said that the worst one that I raised became the cop. So, Okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of a tradition before yeah, we start exactly. the interview. We always have our guests tell the story about the first car that they ever owned. Ooh, like and it. if it's a boring story, just lie and make something. No, it's uh, now owned because according to my older brother, my mom and dad gave me a 69 Buick LeSabre, but that's not true when he's my favorite and my mom even says it's not true he used it from time to time my first car i owned i just got out of the army basic training in mp school and i bought a, a four-door uh two-tone blue 78 plymouth horizon so you <laughs> were what i could afford on the you, were trying, <laughs> you were trying right. you were trying to retain your virginity wow it was way late for that doug <laughs> oh okay all right so is it too early to ask if i can form a death squad <laughs> go ahead no, I, I just, uh, Bob, I tell a story quite often, living on, on Plymouth Avenue, growing up as a kid. I'm, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. I would leave Bryant and Plymouth, which is, we lived at 914 14th Avenue North, and I would walk downtown to go see a movie at ten years old. I'd walk downtown, go to the movie, and walk back home. And the movie was a quarter, by the way. So, oh what does that tell you? You're old Nobody as hell. ever bothered <laughs> me. Ever. No did, one did ever you tip even the piano thought. player. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. No, I nobody I was never bothered. Not one time walking downtown, walking on Hennepin Avenue, walking down Plymouth Avenue. No one ever bothered me because the parents in my neighborhood would never have allowed it. And that was black kids, white kids, Mexican kids. It was all of us. We were all in it together. Nobody ever battled. I went to St. Joseph's. No, no. I think I saw one fight where Benny Crushon got hit in the back of the head with a baseball bat. So it was a pretty severe fight. But, you know, <clears throat> it was one of those deals. Yeah, you saw um, more domestic violence than anything else. A lot of domestic violence, yeah. There was a lot of that back in the old days. But, but Bob, I tell you, honestly, I really, really miss... That neighborhood. I grew up in supposedly the worst neighborhood in the state of Minnesota, but I just loved it. Yeah, there was a lot of, like, when I'd be out on, a say, a Sunday morning, I'd sit out in the front step because I'd wake up a little early, and then all the hookers and strippers would come home with their mascara running from crying, and like, oh, God, is that depressing. It was incredibly depressing. Ah, the good old days. It was, though, I learned. That uh, that hits complete home because very similar to you, I grew up in the east side of St. Paul. Oh, and right yeah, now yeah. in St. Paul, that's where we're having all the trouble. And in fact, just last night, my sister texted me saying they had a a uh, party at Ob's Bar for. And now yeah, my sister sure. is is sixty in her sixties, and uh, there's a party there for one of the ladies, and the couple walked out and they got robbed in the parking lot of Ob's oh, Bar. And so right away I text oh. back, oh, that pisses me off when it's in our backyard because I yeah. love to walk out when that happened. They, you know, they feigned that they had a gun. They didn't. And, you know, they gave over their stuff and took off. But now if you don't not familiar with Ob, that's a St. Paul cop hangout. They eat there on duty, right. off duty. So right, right in 
the, mm-hmm. in our backyard and literally right where we grew up because it was a, it was the same thing for us on the east side. To see it happen there, to see it happen in Minneapolis, for those of us that love the neighborhoods like you and I that we grew up in, it's yep. tough to see. I've got an east side story for you. This is back early 90s. I'm playing at the Mounds Park Lounge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is where the professional alcoholics in. There were no beginners in there. In the middle of the second set, I look up, and a guy had just passed out, fallen backwards out of his bar stool. And it was a stand up Franks. Died. Yeah, baby. The guy died right there. Oh. He died. So we oh stopped playing, and what the bartender the just over and says, What the F are you doing? Start playing. It's like, the guy just, he's dead. Yeah, can we have a moment Keep of playing, silence baby. for him, right. baby? My, my brother was in that bar one night, and he told me he saw another guy making the guy dance, shooting at his feet with a gun. Oh, God. Jesus. What? You know, why don't I have fun like that anymore? <laughs> well, playing a band. Many, <laughs> many years a band. ago. Yeah. I could wow, get that going. That'd be, that'd be a nice touch right there. Incredible. But the difference today, I think, is uh, I was down in Nashville doing some work, and I was Love talking. And, uh, me too. And I was oh. talking in front of a group, and we somehow gun control stuff came up, and I said, how many of you have firearms? 80% had them in their car. Mm-hmm. Nobody had firearms when we were, I mean, no. you just didn't worry about getting no. shot. Now you drive, you know, I'm driving back to the hotel, someone cuts me off, I'm like, you know, thinking I'm going to get okay. shot if I do anything. And today it's a different world. You just assume people are packing. You got right. it. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. all true. That's scary. Too it's often not the right scary. people packing. You know, I, we're the cops are they're they're for responsible citizens having concealed carry permits, um, but because there's so many other guns out there, and uh, we are our, the, the police opinion is the only person that's going to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Um, that's kind of our <laughs> philosophy. Everybody Which thinks is a fact. Do the cops want gun control? No, they just want the right people to have them. I know, but you look at this. Uh, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, when they had the shooting, it took mm-hmm. a month and all the assault rifles were gone. Yeah. yeah. But what's weird is so many more people get killed with handguns in the inner city that, than. Oh, yeah. Even, it, well, it's the mass yeah. shootings that people would like to see stop. Most like of those are handguns, too. You know, I mean, yeah, most of those are handguns, too, actually. Not in the school shootings and stuff. Oh, yeah. They are? That's yeah. the last one was handguns a handguns are much easier in, to yeah. hide. Santa Clarita. They're easier to maneuver indoors. The only reason to use a rifle is if you're shooting long distance, which in a school shooting, you're probably not. So. Do you think true. part of that is. is uh, schools and parenting has changed so much now. And the reason I ask you that question is because I have a uh, permit to carry. I have many times in my life. We I own six handguns. You do? But I found... <laughs> you didn't know that? <laughs> See? They're easy you to conceal. You might want the best. I know. They're too. really easy to conceal from you, apparently. Oh, oh. No, but I found out, and I did not know this, but a <laughs> no, listener good. to the KQ Morning Show told me, and, and, and I, apparently it's true, that since I'm on medical THC to sleep, I cannot carry a gun anymore. I didn't know that. Is that true in Minneapolis? I would really? uh, apparently it is. Yeah, I mean, huh. I I don't. That's that's the tough well, the tough part with the THC laws. It is, is yeah. what you know. When can you drive? When can you carry? Right. Um, but and, you can drink. Yeah, you, you can know, drink you all can, you yeah, want. You can be on You can't Look drink. No further than Philando Castile, and that yeah, one yeah. did drink. Right. Carry though, can you? Said, no, right. No, so correct. you can't drink and That's carry. Right. Well, it's illegal. Yeah. You're not supposed. To. Yeah. Well, but, you can't be drunk and carry, but you can like drink while still having a concealed carry license. Point right. Yeah. Right. But That's you can't. You just can't have a lower limit. You know, and then the police, if you have them, it's much even lower. It's even lower than that. Sure. Yeah. Right. Policy. I would hope so. Yeah. It changes. 
but uh, no, but Castile had the he he was high, but he had the permit, which invalidates the permit. So right, it does, yeah. yeah. Ah. But see, for so for me, my whole life, if I carried a gun, nobody'd ever know. They'd never know if I was carrying a gun or not. But I don't because it's against the law. It's not about somebody finding out if I'm breaking the law. It's against the law. Don't do it. Well, why is that so hard? Law, aren't really the problem. I don't know why it's so hard. My mother taught me you'll obey the law, and that's just how it is. I got the laws of the house and the laws out there. You will obey the law. I, right from my mother, and I to this day, because you know when I take THC to sleep, I don't get high. I just go to sleep. So it's not like I get high on THC and then go. Oh, I gotta go to bed. I just go to sleep. Right. And so you it would wake really, up and it's out of you. Don't feel the effects. I don't feel the effects. So, like, I could have a gun on me right now and it's not going to affect, but I don't because. So, what would be interesting, though, is it would be in your blood for some 30 days. That's what they say. That's right. what the problem is. And so is, now, yeah. can you pack a week later? And nope. so you're out for 30 days. You're out for as long as you're on medical THC, you can't carry a gun at all. And I don't know what the threshold is. You can fly an airplane. Is. I don't know, what I want to get well, is like a machine gun mounted on the back of my car. Turret. So get a turret out there. Just, <laughs> just open the army. not carrying, right? You know, if you were stoned, I don't think you'd be very effective with a weapon. Probably anyway. not. Uh, hang on a second. Hey, look at that. Oh, I dropped it. Dude. Yeah, it's pretty well, amazing. Well, I think that's the problem is which bad guy do I shoot? Because there's only one. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah. I could see no, that being a problem. No, you're just too chill to care anymore. You're just like, I have a question for you, Bob. So, uh, as a lot of people, but not everybody knows, during the president's last, they call them rallies, I guess, when he was in town a month or so Mm -hmm. ago, the mayor pulled something, and I tend to lean left a little bit, that I thought personally was kind of chicken shit. He told the cops that they couldn't wear their uniforms yeah, off I duty. Know, I know. So Bob yeah. and his buddies got together and got these red shirts made up. And of course, this was I right, saw up, that, right up Trump's alley. He just <laughs> loved it. And he got to meet them and go on stage with them. And they called him out during the rally. So tell right. us what that was. I mean, I'm not a big Trump fan, but I still think meeting the President of the United States has got to be a pretty cool experience. Right. And and I mean, to, to back up to how it transpired, everybody saw what the mayor came out and said. And right. I, no matter which your party lines are, I think it's pretty foolish for a mayor to not invite and tell the standing sitting president he's not welcome here. I agree. It could be only a matter of time, and we've had it with tornadoes, with bridge collapses in Minneapolis, where you may need federal assistance and funding. And why would you ever do that? I just thought it was irresponsible. And then in addition, in in other times, um, not only have our members been, you know, um, um, encouraged, they were ordered to be behind presidents mm-hmm. when they were democrats right. so i thought right. the hypocrisy so as we as we do i got a good buddy that's a retired lieutenant was on the was on the federation board with me rob goodsell and he does he's in t-shirts now so we're in a bar meeting our chicago counterparts in our motorcycle club halfway to wisconsin we drew this shirt up on a bar napkin that night <laughs> and we thought it was going to be similar to when betsy hodges called me a jackass and we'd sell about a hundred of them but what happened was the president caught on to that. He tweeted it out, and this just took off. And I mean, how many thousands it, of shirts? We've did you sold sell? well over five thousand. <laughs> and the, the nice part the mayor's not going to like is it goes to our charitable arm, and Uh-oh. we're going to be pumping it into programs that are near and dear to the citizens, and <laughs> po- political politicians' hearts in Minneapolis. So wonderful. We're going to do some high-profile donations to things, and they're they're going to go now. We want to hate these guys, and look what they're doing now. So yeah. so what was Two was going to come, did, but did meeting him, to... back to meeting him, um, again, don't believe the media. Him, 
the vice president, his son, Eric, I had the honor to meet all of them. And them and everyone on their entire staff were the nicest people. They were, um, everyone said to us, you know, law enforcement is very important to the president. It's very important to this administration. Uh, We want you to know how much you mean to them. And and honestly, um, we we did pictures with the VP, who was a great guy. Um, His son, Eric, had been texting me. You can say it. He's a little boring. (laughs) (laughs) But he he loved the cops. He's from Ohio or whatever. I was with with cops. He loved them. And um, I'm in line to meet, meet the president. Same thing. Outside, and when I came into view, there were 10 or, you know, 8, 10 people in line, or 10 or 12, anyway, in line. And when I came into view, he just stops his photo and meeting them. He goes, there's my guy, and points wow. at me. And it was so it was really incredible. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to him, and he goes, hey, I'm going to bring you up on stage. And, and uh, I actually had, uh, I talked during the, the pre-rally, the pre-program. So it was amazing. I, I was a nervous wreck um, going up on stage in front of that. It's only 20,000 people. Wow. And, and I've been in and out of the, the Target Center a lot over my years on duty and off. And it, it was truly the most energy I've ever felt inside that place. It was mm-hmm. it was crazy. But it nicest people, uh, everybody was on his staff was very respectful. He was very accommodating. So don't believe the media. <laughs> <laughs> well, well we never do. No, we do not believe the media. Back to you being called a jackass. (laughs) (laughs) Why did did Betsy Hodges call you a jackass? I don't remember what it was that time. That time. uh, Oh, you know, yeah. She was a piece of work. Was she wearing her headdress when she called you? She loved to wear that headdress. I did see that. But the the funny part for me, for when being the federation president, was watching. Betsy Hodges, Janae Harto, and the assistant chief Chris Arneson all not get along and just self-destruct. So it was <laughs> that did it happen. It was yeah. uh, it, it truly happened, and the department hasn't been happier. I I say, um, I went from working under the worst chief to the best chief, and in, in I've heard quick. a lot of cops say that. Well, about that's that good. quick. Yeah, really. Thank God, there's some improvements. I worked under a lot, and and uh, Rondo, to me, in my eyes, from my position in federation role, and seeing his vision for the department, he's been the best. And there's he's no, been on the force for what thirty years. He, he or came something? on six months after me. Yeah, yeah. We never and we never worked together. He was a north side cop. Bob, we're going to take a, a quick cop. break. We're going to be right back in a, with more car selling secrets, which is really has nothing to do with cars today, but it's really interesting. <laughs> Police cars. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> Tom Bernard with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, we've been talking about North American Banking Company for a few years now. One thing we've discussed is that the bank is locally owned and operated. Well, how does that benefit your customer? Tommy, projects and opportunities for expansion come up quickly for business owners. A locally owned and managed bank like North American Banking Company means decisions can be made just as quickly. We know Minnesota. We live in the communities we serve. So we have experience and firsthand knowledge for what's happening in your life where you live. That means decisions are made here. We don't ship them off or pass the buck someplace out of state. Finally, getting our customers quick answers allows them to take decisive action, and that's how business gets done. Man, Michael, you're getting good at this. Practice makes perfect. Uh, Perfect. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. If you're one of those folks out there still putting up with contact lenses or dealing with glasses, think just for a moment, what would it be like to wake up to a clear morning and experience your day with all the freedom LASIK brings? Well, I'm living proof that dream can come true. 
Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With the new year right around the corner, it's time to set your sights on 2020 vision. Get $500 off LASIK through the end of the year at Whiting Clinic. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contacts, then it's time for you to find out if you're a candidate for LASIK. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com for your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Imagine 2020, buy 2020, and let 2020 be your best year yet with $500 off LASIK at Whiting Clinic. Offer expires December 31st, 2019. Both eyes only cannot be combined. Results may vary. Car selling secrets. Rob, I've got a question for you. I'm not a Minnesota native, but I've lived here since I was 12, so I'm close. And I drove cab in the city in the late 70s through the early 80s. Not a great, safe time. They had just invented crack in the neighborhood oh, south of uh, oh. Lake Street around Chicago, 4th, uh, all the way down to Cedarwood. It was terrible down there. And I know that there's some uh, controversy about how crime rates get reported, but would, is it worse now than it was back in the 70s, or is it better, or is it different? It, it's tough to say. Um, you, you know, the reporting is one thing. Everything you do it generates a case number, so there's obviously higher reporting that way and what it goes. But I can, from my own personal experience, the area you mentioned, my first five years were basically a, a mile radius from where 35W and um, Lake Street intersect. So basically, I, you know, th- three years in the 5th Precinct, other side of 35W, the east side is is a third precinct, and I when I moved precincts, I moved right on the, under the bridge. That mm-hmm. was it. Mm-hmm. So, but in that era, it was all that was when the crack wave really hit. I was there eighty nine, eighty nine to ninety five, and working there, and looking at that area now, it's it's much much better than yeah. it was. Than it's it was changed before. dramatically. There were crack houses like crazy. We used to do SWAT raids of fifty a month drug wow. raids, <laughs> and now they'd be lucky to do they'd be lucky to do ten a month, and that was common. So the crack wave kind of came and went, and the area in the fifth precinct has gotten really nice there. They've dumped a lot of money into housing and stuff, and even the third precinct is better. Are they going to open up a Nicolet again and get rid of Kmart? Because I was in that time. That's okay. when they put no. that up. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know about that, but but the crime, it's in that respect, it's down. And then we had the late '90s. We had Murderapolis, where we approached 100, oh, right. 100 yeah. homicides in a year, and right now we're sitting at about 40. So we're getting a lot more shootings, though, and that's what's really unreported. The report is aggravated assaults, and truly, there, I say there's three things that are keeping the the murder rate from being uh, triple digits, and. It's one of them. Exactly. EMS, EMS, the advanced EMS, they're bringing people back from the dead at HCMC and North Memorial. Oh, yeah. And then the paramedics on the scene do a wonderful job, too. That's the biggie. And then, too, we're talking about concealed carry. They're using small caliber handguns. It's very small. And they're lousy shots. Those are your your three big factors in my thing. Thank God. Every night we get a person shot. Just basically every night there's someone on the watch commander. You'll see non-life-threatening injury. Uncooperative victim. Um, that's your standard. standard so they had thing. it coming. Okay. <laughs> well, the, you know, the sad part is yeah. that the north there side is go. the busy is where you're getting your shootings, and then downtown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and if you go downtown for entertainment, you were hitting on that, Tom, and, and yeah. you're you got to be out of there by ten o'clock, or you're taking your life in your hands. So why true, does it yeah. seem to like me that nobody seems to give a 
crap about this. That, that the politicians just don't care. Well, if you they, say something, you put your life at risk. They, they don't. And when you hire and unanimously select a chief of police and he lays out a plan for 400 more officers yes. over the course of the next five years, and right now you're struggling if you should give them 14 more or not right now, they they think in this in this city that the politicians know more by being elected about mm -hmm. what's needed for law enforcement because i mentioned you know the chief and i see eye to eye on many many things and the staffing level is one of them so but okay yeah. so but what is the po political upside for these people the politicians to not do anything my my theory is they get in they get elected by a very small number of votes people don't vote in these city council races no they don't more yeah. importantly we've got 13 <clears throat> council members which is about the same that they have in san francisco and things like that in my opinion we should reduce it to half and double the salary of these folks because most of them are community organizers activists that have right. never had a real job right and for them this is a damn good job they're coming on and they're making what well, they're making what our patrol officers make roughly, you know, starting and going so from community to that. What is a patrolman, patrol person? They start make. to load low to mid 80s a year, okay. and that's what the, that's what the city council is, and then what they gave themselves a big raise. But it's a very good job when you include city benefits and things like that, and and you you've got this very just local to interrupt active you group. can make about that selling cars at walzer <laughs> we have had a shooting in yeah not dodge any bullets you're, you're gonna have some applications <laughs> well not very many you're gonna have bullets. some applications yeah, cops are gonna start selling right. cars but we're seeing cops yeah. leave we really are yeah and, and that's the thing is they're leaving and truly when you got this job i went from the postal service to this and from the east side of st paul you get a civil service job in my era you made it right yeah, yeah. Right. and, yep. and yep. You, you never saw people leave and that's what's disturbing too is we're seeing people leave and when you tested you had a thousand people apply for you know 30 positions wow. now we're getting 200 people or less apply for that same yeah well month. nobody there's millennials don't want to get shot at either no no <laughs> well i mean just we don't. anybody with common sense confirm. right yeah. Yeah. it's too risky yeah. you know and i was listening to it when i was a kid i grew up in st louis park and we Ooh, didn't have any big crimes but <laughs> so officer Pass fitzgerald who took me Pass home sixth Mark grade Rosa. seventh grade eighth ninth tenth eleventh and twelfth same cop but nobody ever got for this like smoking dope but nobody ever went to a station there was nothing i mean it was sort of right, policed in your right. neighborhood yes. yep. the guy took literally i rode my bike he followed us home made you knock on the door tell your parents what you did and then you were disciplined by i was far more fearful of my dad than i was of officer fitzgerald very much like myself yes you never wanted to get brought home by the police oh so. no oh no no no, no, no. That, that would not no be but that's so. i mean there was you know today it's not the parents anyone's afraid of no, exactly. But uh, to your point, Catherine, that, that's the, to me, the council, if you, reduced, if you reduced the number of them and increased what they made, you'd have more responsible people, more successful people with business minds that want to run the city the right way. Right now, they're pandering to a small vocal group that they feel gets them elected, and they're, they're not serving the citizens as a whole. But the communities no. are suffering. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, and you, if you go to North Minneapolis... In your old neighborhood, Tom, you and you talk to your average black resident. They love the police. They want to have more they of them. They do. Absolutely. Um, they want they to do. have more of them. Our guys are getting coffee bought for them. They're getting to say, hey, you know, again, don't believe what the media is saying, that kind of thing. So, nope. they, but the voter turnout is very low. Which I know, is but so can, I can't name you one of my council. No. People. No. I mean, I, other they, than they if they I drove by a sign in a yard, but I don't. Agenda. Yeah. 
I don't know anybody How on the Ornos How many precincts are there in Minneapolis? Councils? Five. five. And they've got yeah. 13 council members? Yeah. Hmm. It's a lot. <clears throat> for no it's reason. It's like you should have five. Here, here's one <laughs> question I wanted to ask, and, and you know, if you... I, here's what I don't understand. Now, I talked to a lot of people I grew up with. A lot of those people are black that I grew up with. And they, 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 here's their problem. What you see on TV is that black people are shooting people. But it's black people they're shooting. Yes. Now, here's the problem we have. Are they ever going to step up and protect black people in their neighborhoods? Because if you're not, that's kind of racist, isn't it? That's, no, that's it's, right. It's racist as hell, and no one cares. No, no, I just don't get it. Your our average shooting I was just talking about is you know black male suspect, black yep. male victim, non life threatening yep. wound, and and that's it. And yep. and those are the people that are getting hurt, and those are the people that want more police protection. They do. And then the other part of that is is they've gotten to they've gotten into depolicing so much. Where when I was a young cop, listen, you stopped everything that moved, and you're getting you're are you profiling? Well, if you got a taillight out, it's a legal stop. Are you stopping? Your little arrests lead to big arrests. You're in doing that. You're taking these guns off the street. That isn't going on anymore because the cops don't want to be called all the isms. You're stopping me because I'm. Yeah. And yep, yep. they're like, is it easier to drive past this violation and stay out of trouble or be accused of this, that, and the other thing? And so there's a lot of there's a lot of deep policing going on and it's encouraged they you know we, we i used to make a, a million traffic stops but i've given one dwi and 12 speeding tickets in 30 years but got a lot of guns out of there in the meantime and a lot of people with warrants for their arrest <laughs> so it's a fishing expedition that's really the, the fishing has gotten really limited which is a bad part you never everybody. worked around the caboose apparently <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, a great well, spot right yeah, the perfect spot to arrest people i believe no doubt well I'm, how much of that really goes on where you hang by a caboose or if you go down, you know. No, we, we don't even have a traffic division anymore, and I've never been a proponent of traffic enforcement, <laughs> you know. We, we don't. We don't have a traffic. We used to have a 40-person traffic division where they were out there to do speeding tickets, DWIs, and, and that was it. Oh, keep yeah. the road safe and, for the citizens? Right, right. Oh. Who and does the it problem now? Is, is what? If what? you're a hit-and-run victim down there, good luck to you because you're going to get a case number, go file oh, with your insurance company, and you compare that to the sub suburbs around us, that's just second-class treatment. You can't treat your people that way, you know, these things. And, and that's the problem. And that's where the chief's vision for more cops, that's what they would be doing. A vision. You know. that's nice. So what's the relationship between the highway patrol and the police? Actually, very good now. It, you know, there's... Believe it or not, our cops get DWIs. They come. I represent them when they do. You know, <laughs> yes, it's one of the only, yeah. you know, one of the few jobs where if you do get arrested, you suffer the consequences at work. Also, you go through the regular stuff, and then you're, hey, I'm suspended, and I can't drive, and I'm transferred, or I'm demoted. Those types of things happen. So, um, but, but you know, people this generation, the, the millennials, are a lot more responsible in Uber use and stuff like that. So. The troopers have a pretty good, it's been an up and down relationship over the years, but it's pretty good if they get a chase and then <clears throat> comes into the city and the guys bail, you know, they're, they rely on us for help a lot because their backup is a lot better so way. What it, are, so you see them everywhere between the police. So who governs 394? Is it local or is it governed Three, by the highway 394 patrol? 394 is, is the state patrol, yeah. So yeah. where does the highway patrol Basically, the, the freeways and state highways is their thing. They See, can Bob, go, what's going they on state, here? Just so anywhere. you know, he owns a Porsche, and he's just trying to <laughs> figure out. 
Right. Where can, Where can right. I speak? Just so right. Probably 2 a.m. in Lake Street. If you can just do the lights are on, green, light them up, How's baby. that sane lane? Can I don't I, think you have Is anybody on yeah. the sane lane? Not in Bloomington. What's amazing <laughs> to me is, and looking back now, going to St. Joseph's School over there at, uh, was on 11th and 4th. It's now where the where, where, where there's a bridge across Plymouth Avenue where St. Joseph's used to be back in the day, right? And I, it just, just occurred to me. Just now, sitting here, listening to you talk about this. When I was a little boy going to that school, the Minneapolis police would come in and once in a while just check on everybody in the school, everybody at St. Joseph, St. Anne's, all the public schools, all the rest of it. <clears throat> and we had a guy named Officer Savanich. You remember Officer Savanich? I, I don't remember, but I remember you the remember the name, passed down from him for sure. I will tell you something. Officer Savanich would go to every kid in North Minneapolis, and I mean every one of them. And say, look, we care about you. We want you to be safe. The co- I want you to know that the Minneapolis Police Department cares about you. A lot of these kids didn't have parents. You know, my dad's gone. Mom's at home, like me. My dad was gone. But he, Officer Savanich, every time I would see him, he'd go, Tom, we really do care about you. It was wonderful. Can the cops even do that anymore? They they do have the SROs, and that's something that they actually the council wanted to get rid of too. Well, of course they did. Because now oh, they're God. they're calling this the the gateway to what was it the gateway to prison or something like that. That with cops in the schools, and I had this I had this <laughs> argument with them. I says, listen, it's it, it it was I'm missing the term gateway to something, but the, or pathway to prison. That's what it was by having cops in schools. And I said, you realize that the cops that are in those schools as uh, SROs. They want to be there, and they're yes. there to serve yep. as mentors. We get a lot of our good police candidates out of there because they're recruiting when they're young to come. Yep. Hey, come to the police department. They want to be there. Their heartfelt, their hearts are in it. If you get the street cops that's been rolling around in a squad car and has to get dispatched <laughs> to that fight at that high school, yeah. guess what? They're going to come. They're going to take the two and book them and be off. Yep. Where you go to an SRO's office, he knows the kids. He knows. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's it's the best investment you can make in the police department. We have those they're, in high school. They want to be there. And out in Rogers, so it's all yeah. over the place. Yep. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a thing that needs to stay. There used to be more of, they re- reduced them. Houghton Rogers, was it to cut down on all the cattle rasping? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. I don't know exactly Assaulting that he animals. was there for. Uh, Assaulting yeah. animals. We had one, nice. one gang fight. Ooh, you did? You, you did? did? You had a gang, gang fight? Rogers? Yep. Mm-hmm. They brought in a bunch of students that got kicked out of Brooklyn Center High School and of brought course. them to Rogers. Of course thank you. Gee, thanks for bringing them out. We appreciate <laughs> right. it immensely. That's well, a great idea. Idea. Because we needed more diversity. diversity. Mm. Why did you need more so diversity? Bring them to white out had, there in Rogers. We, had, we literally had two half black students in our <laughs> whole school. Well, that equals a whole. Yeah. That's one whole. That was it. You know, that's good. I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because when Officer Savanich would come to St. Joseph's, there were black students, Mexican students. The, the only people that we didn't really have in North Minneapolis were Asians. They just There weren't that many Asians in, in Minnesota anyway, and we didn't have any. But the copper would go from kid to kid. Well, they would call him copper. Never take me alive. That was from Lamont Dean, my my cousin who was a uh, Hennepin County deputy sheriff and a Minneapolis cop for many years. But he would, Officer Savanich would talk to Benny Crushan, was a black kid, loved him. Uh, You get on the list of the Morales family. He would go to every kid and say, we do care about you. Doesn't matter your skin color. Doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. It didn't matter at all. And this was in supposedly one of the most racist times in America's history in the 1950s and 60s. What happened to that? Why did they let that go? Yeah, I don't know. They're... 
They're still there doing that. Um, God, it's you know, wonderful. They, they move around, but these guys, he stayed for many years. I think it was Ed Savanich, wasn't that? Ed's, yeah, God, that's amazing. Officer yeah. Savanich, God, uh, that's been a few years, Bob. Legendary. Yeah, yeah I told you, I got a great memory because it's 20 years ago plus, <laughs> but nothing about yesterday nothing or about the week yesterday. prior. we got to take a quick break, we and we'll be back with our final segment. God, of final segment episode. already. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. It's Tom, and I'm thrilled to let you know that for a very limited time, the Ultimate Weight Loss Program, powered by Nutmos, is having an early holiday sale. Well, you'll receive 20 to 30% off the cost of the program. Shed those unwanted pounds and look great before the holidays get here. Lose 20 pounds or more. Consumer guarantee. See website for details, ultimatewl.com. Ultimate's plan is unlike any other weight loss program out there. With over 1 million pounds lost to date, and clients like me will tell you that this is a weight loss program that works. This plan is customized for each individual person, and the Ultimate Weight Loss staff will be there for you every step of the way. They help me change my life, and they can help you too. Start to live your healthiest life and schedule an immediate consultation in their new Edina location or Plymouth with expanded hours. And look great for the holidays. Sale ends Saturday, November 9th. Call now and save. 763-333-7337. Is this the new one from Mario Speedwagon? No. <laughs> <laughs> Only Fog Hacks can sing this the one. new one. I wanted her to play some Polish punk, uh, your polka there for uh, Officer Zamanich, but you didn't, couldn't that was, find that any. That was the old joke in the 70s about the longest bridge in the world. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Africa to <laughs> Poland. Poland. <laughs> yep, I remember <laughs> many times as a kid. Northeast has changed so much in the last few oh, years. Yeah, it's oh, it has. It has indeed. It's the kind old. of like what Uptown was in the 80s. It's where all the young kids, because yep. they could, you know, they used to be able to afford to live in Uptown and until us older people discovered it, and now they're up in the northeast side. Yeah, so. that's true. It's been a great conversation you guys are having. I'm really glad you did this, Dougie. Yeah, it's fun. I really having fun trying to book interesting people for this uh, show. If you could just stay well, off the mic a little bit about all politicians are assholes, we might be able to encourage a couple more. To I come didn't in. say all. I just still said working on the governor. 9%. I haven't given up on him yet. Oh, the governor Tim Walls. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Well, it'd be interesting to have on. I asked Ryan yeah. Winkler to come on and talk about the marijuana thing, the recreational marijuana. I'm surprised you didn't call from. you back because I talked to him at right after he was on. Uh, for those of the listeners that might not know, he was the a majority speaker of the House in the Minnesota legislature, and it works in his precinct is, it's not precinct, district is Golden Valley, so he actually did a really nice South job. Golden Valley. Yeah, South Golden Valley. <laughs> all the cool people live. Yeah, we're all the cool people. So Tyrell what, Hills. what is the, I mean, what's the issue with recreational weed in Minnesota, and does the police, do they give a crap? Ryan Winkler's bringing it forward, yeah. He's, yeah. So I mean, you don't want to police Tom's it, do you? trying to figure out where he can smoke pot and yeah, drive his no, Porsche It's been a long time. <laughs> I'll drive fast. If I if I were to light up, it would be the I'd get pulled yeah, over for going too slow. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, I'm against it, and we we do what's called a DC fly-in once a year. We meet with our with our um, 
Congress reps out there mm-hmm. and, our, and our senators. And uh, there was a very interesting expert on it out there, and you would never suspect it. Older black gentleman, and he explained this stuff. Not really old, my age, I guess. Older, Just but older and shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh he explained this, and he said, before they jump into this, you need to look at the cost, and, and they need to look at Colorado. You think everybody thinks so? We're going to generate all this tax revenue from it, and on the back end, you're spending more out for treatment programs for oh, things yeah. like that. Um, and we talked about it a little bit when you you can't gauge, you know, if you're high and driving very easy. What are the effects? Those types of things, you know, news channels have done things on it. But um, I would like for this guy to come and talk with our legislature before they do this because there's a lot of hidden costs that they don't realize that far surpass what they gain in tax benefits. Well, that's um, interesting because all it, you ever hear is that, you know, big money, Colorado's right? just big rolling money, in money. and Big money. Yeah. And, and we don't know the long-term effects down the line. You know, for if, if we're keeping everybody right. smoked in the 40s, right, yeah. 50s. Yeah. Um, and then tell we, hey, lung cancer, you know, like c- smoking cigarettes mm-hmm. causes cancer. So, but it's going to be okay to smoke marijuana. I realize you can take it other ways and things like that. But uh, there's health effects, alcohol, you know. If but from a police standpoint, what, I mean, you don't want to be resting. I mean, it's a pain in the butt to take someone down who's got a quarter is, ounce of weed on them or something. reality is right now the coppers are taking that and flushing it in the sewer on camera. Uh, they're okay. not they're those little things like that they're not Sarah's, they're, uh, they're pretty much uncle my way. wife's uncle was a saint paul cop and he just would take it and take it home <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell well, you, no, you just uh, rat uh, no, I, yeah. I tell you a funny story I about him so yeah he's, he's retired. retired he's probably i'm guessing he's 70 or so so he was a vietnam vet came back and he wanted to get into be a saint paul cop but something happened, and he had to wait seven years before he could apply. And so his older brother is in town, and we're having this conversation. And and, and my wife works at a church and says, you know, so Uncle Bruce, how come how come you had to wait so long? And his older brother goes, yeah, it was a farming accident. And they didn't understand what he was saying. You had a pot farm out in Marine in the same uh-huh. Whoops. Oh, God. A farming accident. Yeah. That's really really I, nice. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the whole the whole thing about recreational um, marijuana being passed is the good thing about it would be maybe we could get rid of these cartels that are killing yeah. people in other countries. You know, that are supplying. Well, the no, US. no, no. They make them movie stars now. <laughs> El Chapo's wife is like a TV star. Disgusting. That would be the one uh, one good what? thing. But I don't believe I at until they can figure out how to test for it when people are driving. So are you? So are you opposed to the? Uh, medical side you know the medical side's out there already um yeah. i've hey to be honest i've never been a pothead at all so right. we can change that all. i just kind of see it as uh, it's dummy and down society for votes that's the way i look at it but maybe that's a close point of view um our our cops as a whole are not really in favor they're not like the enforcing it but i think a lot of them they think about their kids do they want do you want to walk down the street and have people Firing up all the time. It's it's bad enough. Like they have been yeah. in Manhattan yeah. for the exactly. last thirty years. No, but I, w- I mean, there's part of me that goes, I'd rather have my kids stoned than drunk. Um, well, I mean, I, I don't want them driving either way, but I think we're at less risk certainly from smoking pot. Cell phones in my world are maybe more dangerous than I would oh, agree. Yeah. I oh, would yeah. agree. And yes. so yes. that's a. Yeah, I I don't know. I think as your general cop is. Mainly against it, but more uh, along indifferent to against it. I think if you polled my members, 
you know. Interesting. So I got to ask you a couple of questions. This is this is all personal now. You don't mind if I take a personal? Yeah. Do <laughs> don't ask about my wife. No, I'm not going to ask you about your wife. No, 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 no. I, I'm just. I, it just popped in my head being over at Maslax back oh, in the yeah. day with the boys, Tony Miranda, and you keep get John Locke, and you go on a. Where are all those guys now? Those guys, I, well, I when, John up at the. Uh, they're all in treatment, the, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Those were some good times. That was a, oh one of the God, favorite times of my career. Our federation, in fact, I, when, I got a 2 o'clock board meeting today and a 5.30 membership meeting. And with those boys, the board meeting would be over about 3 or 4. And then we'd go to Zerbies or oh, Mazelax. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we'd come back and hold the membership meeting. And, and then we'd go back for more. And God, we used to fun. get together with Tom from time to time at Mazelax. But oh, the hammer, John Locke. Um, I still hear from him all the time. Hey, good job, babe. Heard you on the radio. You know, he'll, he'll yeah, he's the up. best. I, um, John's he, a great North Side a, well, guy. And the truth told, I owe my job to these guys. Uh, John was a he taught defensive tactics when I came on. I got in a little trouble in rookie school, maybe bar re- fight related, and he's like he'd reached out. Hey, forget you know this kid. He's one of our good guys, and blah blah blah. Oh so, yeah. Um, <clears throat> John, uh, he's still local. I hear from him a lot. Yeah, I ran um, into him about a Al two Berryman's years. got three homes. He was Al Berryman's got three three <laughs> he homes. He was the old federation president, you know. But what the hell do you get money for three in, homes? He's in the federation president, right? And he's down in Arizona. He's mainly in Arizona. Every time he comes oh, he? back in. Um, he gets a hold of us, Tony and I. Tony Moran is still local. Oh, um, please. If so, next time those guys get together, for sure. I would love to Tony, see him. He, I, well, I guess Tony's you. a great guy. We'll make, we'll make sure we get a hold of you. because God, so much Tony's fun. a wonderful guy. He was the nucleus of that federation for many years. Yeah, he was. Time yeah, in he there. was, absolutely. Um, when, when Al comes to town, which is a few times a year, we always get together. Yeah, Al so. Is Mace Lack still around? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Is it? It's thriving. Tom still has garlic breath from it. He hasn't been there for 20 years. Oh, ouch. That's right oh by our Oh my God! He used to, seriously, he'd get out of his car, and I could. Yeah, it was like, oh, he's been to Maeslax. I could smell the garlic. No, it's, it's, breath a, from it's a, a hipster hangout now. Oh, it's is really it changed. Really? Is it really? Oh, so it's Zerbies now. It's called Grumpy's. Zerbies has changed. It's Grumpy's and Northeast has really gotten to turn into hipster stuff. Oh, it used to be the real blue collar. All around, you could throw a rock in any direction and walk to a bar out of my union office, but. One of my favorite things about being a teenage guy in North Minneapolis, you'd be up at Papa Joe's Northern or at the Broadway Bar, and you'd be sitting there, and the cops would come in. A couple of cops would come in, and they go, put them on the desk. they put them on the table. And everybody take out a knife or a gun and put it on the table, <laughs> and they'd get whatever they were, like a pizza or a sandwich, yeah. or whatever they were going to go. All right, boys, they'd leave. Everybody take their gun, put it back in their pocket. Like Probably <laughs> Halleck's up there. The, oh, the, Alex. Lock oh, yeah. and Murphy worked together forever. Yeah, uh, they did. On the tax squad or SWAT guys. and yeah. I heard so many great stories. I, one of my favorite stories up there, and I'm sorry. I'll shut no, up. Go ahead. I promise. I, I'm so not mad. The boys get a call, and they, they go up the north side, and somebody's been shot to death, right? <laughs> Sarge comes in the room, and he goes, Everybody, get the hell out of here. Because everybody was sitting around like in a, in the family. They're sitting around with a, a dead guy, right? And so there's a guy on the couch. He's like sleeping. He's like, like that, right? And Sarge goes, what the hell did I tell you? And the guy didn't respond. He goes, I said you got to go. And one of the other cops comes up and goes, actually, uh, he's the victim. The bullet went in his mouth and came oh. out the back of his head. 
God. And the copper turns and goes, okay, you can stay. <laughs> was that, was a Sarge Lurch? Yes. Jerry, Lurch Larson? It was indeed. You know, How Jerry, did you know Jerry that? passed, because he, 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 he was did. on the board, too. He passed. Oh. It'll be two years, I think, this spring. But there, I'm this, sorry to hear I that. I was thinking about him on the way on the way in this morning, knowing I was coming here. Because That's I, who it was. He was the vice president of the Phenomenal. Federation at the time. And he this guy, I've been to Vegas many times. And to this day, the first time I was in Vegas was with him, and it was the best time I ever had. Oh, my I God. He's I left dead. there after three days, oh. and my face muscles were sore from laughing. This guy had he had a line for everybody, but he was, a, he was an icon. Four-way stop. I heard this from another cop. Uh, <laughs> pulls him over. And goes, what you stopped me for? He goes, because you, you rolled through the, the stop sign. You didn't stop at a stop sign. He goes, well, I slowed down. And Lurch goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to get out of the car. I'm going to start beating the piss out of you. You can tell me to slow down or stop. <laughs> yeah, he was the classic. Was he was great. Why was he called Lurch? Did he look like Lurch he from the like Adam's Lurch. He looked like Lurch, yeah. Sounded like him. Sergeant oh, Wonder, Sergeant <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Sergeant Wonderful, baby. God, that Jerry worked stories. hard and played hard, and that was <laughs> he, did, yes. he kept playing after he retired a little too hard. That was yeah, mm-hmm. he kind of shrunk down. Uh, I God. saw him. Awesome. I saw him in the hospital before he passed. Oh, did you yeah. really? Yeah, he was. God, he, he was, was a wonderful guy. He was Sergeant he Wonderful was. for a reason. Sergeant Wonderful for a reason. Another one that say him and Locke were two of the guys that were in DT that saved my saved my hide as a rookie. Locke <laughs> was another guy that if you were a citizen, you probably didn't want to piss him off. No. Mm, not no, that I no, can remember no. anyway. <laughs> like I said, he was a north side guy from up on Sheridan. I believe he grew up on Sheridan Avenue up there. But, yeah, yeah I mean, th- th- Bob, the great memories and how we all got along. And everybody, like I said, didn't matter race. None of it mattered. Everybody got along. Everybody was fine. So when I left that neighborhood, actually, you know, it, 24, 25, whatever I was. And I went out in the real world, and they were talking about, oh, my God, race relations are terrible. I go, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. How are race relations terrible? Not where I grew up. It's the <laughs> Norwegians and the Swedes. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Well, they actually do High hate one another. That is true. They do hate one another. But now, I, I tell you, because the cops in North Minneapolis <laughs> understood <laughs> North Minneapolis, the firefighters, all, everybody, well, Rocco Forte, I, you know, I went to, I went to St. Rocco was the, the fire chief, and his older brother Michael and I were in the same class at, at and you know, his dad was an organ grinder. Did you know that? Wow. Yes, his dad, honestly, God, Rocco Forte was a fire chief. His dad was an organ grinder. He had the big mustache, and he had the thing with the monkey and the whole oh, deal. Wow. Nice Italian boy from North Just Minneapolis. I think that was a job once upon a time. Being an organ grinder, yep, yeah. it was. Yeah, oh, God, i got to shut up because you only got a couple minutes. Well, keep going. Why no, I, I just, what I'm talking about is we had a relationship with the cops. The cops cared. We cared. And I never understood once I left my neighborhood, why did all this happen out here? Because back in our, the poorest neighborhood, the worst neighborhood in Minnesota, everybody gets along really well. It's just yeah. weird. Yeah. The whole thing is just, it should have never happened. And I really wish they'd get their head out of their ass and let the cops do their job. That's all I'm saying. Before we're off, I got to thank Doug for the relationship because the reason he reached out to me is they sponsor the Federation in our stuff mm-hmm. to Slade yeah. Drive. Walzer yeah. does, and that's how we met. Um, one of our charitable arms, we Walzer, in conjunction with KSTP Five and the Sun. It's going yeah. on right now. Our, yep, our coppers are in the Skyway in downtown collecting toys for kids. Now I got to so. just be completely clear. We they dropped that last year. Oh, Somebody geez. in our marketing department, I don't know who it was, but they, they just dropped said, it. 
Uh, it's a long story. Right. Could you arrest Paul for me? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Arrest <laughs> Paul Walls. We did for no years. Yeah, 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 we did. We did. We did. So absolutely. It's a great, so it, great charity. It continues on, but but thanks for. And I didn't so know I'm not charitable. Yeah. I'm not the most. Somebody charitable. came to me, and I won't say who <laughs> it was, uh, a couple months ago, and says, "Hey, that whole stuff the slay thing. Can you get us back in there again?" And so I called. I know some people over at Hubbard, and they're like. You know, there's a different title sponsor, and they're going to do it again this oh, year. It's like, okay, oh. well, we're underway, but I appreciate what you guys have done. Well, thank you very much. And for those have. that don't know, it's a toy drive that the uh, cops sponsor, uh, or toys for needy kids in the cities, and it's uh, it's really, really, it's a great thing. And it is that time of the year again. Do they need to be new? I think yeah. so, yeah, yeah. This is always how much I know. I got a charitable arm. I know there's some in trouble. These guys. <laughs> no, there's some toy drives. That we're gonna get rid of some toys before Christmas when we to get make room. toys. Yeah, and we don't have many toys anyway. But I know there are some places that take used toys. Yeah, so just... try the you know like the Mean Streets of Edina. They're yeah, probably open to that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I want to close right. with an Al Berriman story. My last thing. Okay. So. Uh, there was a copper many, many years ago, tried to save his wife from a car fire. Uh, she's in a van, and it exploded, and, the, and her husband, the cop, went in to save her, and he got severely burned. Uh, we were down at um, uh, the Nicollet Island Pavilion. Pavilion. Had, okay. had, had a fundraiser down there, remember that? And so they're raising funds, and Al Behrman comes up to me and goes, Tom, you should do me a favor, because there's this really cool pistol, and if you could buy it, you know, because it'd be really, really great. And I said, yeah, no problem at all. So it goes up, and it's it, the, the pistol goes for, like, a few thousand dollars, probably even more than that. And I bought it, and then I gave it back to Al, and I said, well, just go ahead and auction it off again. He goes, yeah, I know. I said, what do you mean you know? He goes, I knew you'd give it back. That's why I wanted to buy it. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Al. Talk Thanks, about Al. Al. Right? Remember that? Al had a way of, uh, <laughs> he was he had a way of char raising charitable Oh, funds. he was good at it. Yeah. Pictures in his office have been raffled every year after year. <laughs> year oh, after yeah. year raffled year off. After year. <laughs> Never had to give them up. Uh, Bob, thanks for coming in. Great to see you as always. Pleasure. Thanks for always having me, guys. Well, and that wraps up episode, I think, 32 or 3 of 32, Walter's yeah. Car Selling Secrets. The, I, the podcast is not happening next week, so no, all the didn't. listeners get a lucky week off. <laughs> oh, you mean you, you don't have car selling secrets on Thanksgiving Day? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can post the best of. No, well, the best of would be Tom's. That's the one that I get the most compliments about. Yeah, that is true. It was a great thing. And thank you so much, Tom. How sweet of you to bring in. I mean, this is th this nice. means the world to me. He brought in Gene Shepard. So you like that better than the shirt that no, Tom brought I, I was <laughs> It doesn't mean the you, world to you. You know, once again, <laughs> once again, I hope... Hold up, I want to thank him. Not only oh, to thank him, but Doug has to piss all over it. So never mind. Goodbye. That's my does. job. And we're out. That's my job. <laughs>